Hey, welcome to the Pittsburgh Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Rob. Hey, and uh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's been, uh, I guess, not too long. About two weeks, probably. Yeah. I think we're on schedule again. Yeah. Well, we recorded earlier this month, and then it just took me forever to upload. Yes. So, but you've been listening. Since you've heard us. Yeah. It's been three weeks <laughs> since we've talked. Fair enough. Um, so, we are officially set to try the new beer. Yeah, set to try the new beer. And uh, home brewing is full of surprises. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's go that way. We thought we yeah. had ironed everything out Yep. With, uh, with our second brew. You know, we had, oh, of course, we only had screwed up on one thing. And uh, we got a little bit of a surprise when we popped those first bottles. We, we did, go. we did. Um, I think... Possibly, I think it was more than one issue we had on the last time. Yeah, I think that's what we that figured way. out. So basically, <laughs> our first bottle of the new beer that we opened, we had a carbonation issue again. It wasn't as drastic as the last time. No, but there was still like a constant head foaming out of the bottle, uh, with no real provocation. What we would think of the beer was a bit a bit flat, like it hadn't the carbonation hadn't settled into it. But we kind of proceeded to. We drunk that one and we opened up a couple more bottles. We're noticing there's a different, we're getting a different experience with like the, each bottle that yeah. we opened. Um, yeah. So last time it seemed like pretty much across the board, there's just yeah endless head. Yeah. And so we attributed that to prime and sugar. And I think, I still think that was accurate. However, in the background, what we probably didn't notice was there was maybe a slight variation among those. And now that we ironed out the priming sugar a little bit, we're seeing that variation very distinctly across different bottles. Right. Um, so we did a little Googling, did a little deep Google to try to solve this problem. All and, over the uh, homebrewing forums. Yeah. And while there was a bit of a spread of different people approaching this different ways, sure. I think what we nailed down to what it is is, uh, it's not as disgusting as it sounds, but <laughs> a, bit of, a bit of a sanitation issue. A sanitation issue, bottle yes, yes. Um, so as I mean, as we've talked about before, like brewing inherently is getting, you know, growth. Yes, beer right? is alive. Yeah, <laughs> it's alive. And if you get the wrong types of growth, and what what I mean, basically, what they call it, a, not an infection, a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what are you thinking? Infection. What are you thinking? Uh, um, yeah, infection. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know what else you were going for there. I swear there's another word. I mean, you can talk about, like, wild yeast and, like... Sure. I mean, the, all of these, like, the flavor really isn't that bad. Like, it's not, like, a skunky or right. anything like that. It's still pretty near and dear to our hearts of what we were going for with the beer. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we're seeing wildly kind of different carbonation levels. Yeah. Bottle to bottle, so... And apparently a, a localized infection that, that probably comes down to how much we sanitized and how differently each bottle was sanitized. Right. And basically, we need a more thorough method than just dip them in some boiling water, right? Out and right. Let them hang out. So, so yeah, we're yes. gonna we're gonna work on that for the future. Luckily, the only people drinking this beer is us, so there are no lawsuits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we should have made them sign something last time. Oh, whatever. <laughs> what's that? What was that show? That was uh, that was like an early How I Met Your Mother episode when they go to party at the law school. And they have to oh, yeah. sign waivers. <laughs> Maybe Brett Kavanaugh should have done that before we go to his house. Ooh, topical. Oh, <laughs> still inappropriate. Hopefully, <laughs> when you guys hear this, he will not be our Supreme Court. 
Justice. Who knows? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully I also didn't just alienate half of our (laughs) users. Yep, they did. We're going to see drastic cutoffs. So anyway, back to the brute. You said it didn't affect the taste, so... Um, I mean, we are noticing some differences, but I, I attribute that more to the way that the carbonation goes in. Like, the initial beer, the hops was more forward. It almost felt like it had been dry hopped. Yeah. Whereas the one that I'm drinking now, it's mild. Like, the flavors have mellowed and kind of come together a bit more. So I kind of directly attribute the that priming process and that waiting process. Yeah to uh, how these beers are tasting at this point, even though they've yeah. all been sitting around for, like, roughly three weeks. Roughly three weeks. And meanwhile, the one I'm tasting seems to be, like, right in between those yeah. two. And it had a mid-level of carbonation. It didn't bobble over the bottle, but it still had a much larger, tremendous amount of head. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess, uh, <clears throat> you know, some of the guys we were reading early on said, like, you only had to be in the bottle for, like, a week or something, and then it was yeah. drinkable. And we're realizing... At least for our brewing scenario, being in my basement, I don't know how much that the temperature affects. I mean, earlier on, I mean, honestly, until this week, it's been very hot and very above normal. And even in your basement, we might not have been at optimal temperature. Yeah, maybe a little bit over room temperature. Yeah. Um, You now hear the nice ambient noise of my refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) But suffice to say, I think, uh, you know, I... I like the flavor that we come up with, especially the one with that is kind of properly uh, matured. Matured, I guess, is the right word. Be appropriate. Uh, the one that seems like it maybe had the least amount of uh, outside, yeah, outside yeah. Uh, influence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that can transition us to our slightly the next topic about our beer is um, how um, how do you feel about Doing our own recipe, um, I, I followed a guy from online, but I basically picked, I, I followed measurement amounts, but I picked my own variety of ingredients, whether yeah. it was what malted extract we used, which variety of hops we used, and I kind of just went with my gut and what I knew I liked in beer. How do you like that as opposed to doing a kit beer, which was our first beer? Uh, I mean, for the most part, it's uh, indistinguishable on my end because I did kind of let you take the lead on the on the recipe. Um, I mean, however, flavor like wise. flavor wise, I like this beer better than our first beer. The first beer, like the description on the case and like what it was called, you know, what I expected from it was very much seemed like it was in my wheelhouse, what I would like. But this is somehow even more. And maybe it's just because our yours and my tastes align pretty well. But um, I just think I, I like this a lot better than the first beer. Interesting. I mean, I'm enjoying it as well. I think there's like pros and cons each way, and we can do you know kind of more adventurous things like on both sides. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm digging it so far. Yeah, like, this has been fun, and it just kind of proves the show how you don't always get what you expect with craft brewing, but it's no. still very rewarding. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know in the since we finished this brew, um, one of my coworkers I talked to ended up finding out he's a brewer as well. And when he found out that I was on my second brew and like still hand bottling, he's like, you're a crazy man. Like, you need to be getting a kegerator. You need to be doing this in a keg, yada, yada, yada. So it like, well, is a future option that <laughs> you might consider. And at the same time, it's like, like I said, he's my coworker, but 
he makes quite a bit more money than I do. So it's like, yeah, maybe down the line I'll be, <laughs> I'll be investing in all that. But, uh, for now, I mean, for me, he's like, Oh, you had to hand bottle all this. I'm like, I mean, just sitting around with my buddy, just, you know, I mean, shooting the talking, breeze, so. talking about other like homebrewers experience. I recently tried a couple of beers from a fellow Pittsburgh homebrewer and he's like a 30 year, like Dow chemical, like chemist. Yeah. So his stuff is like so spot on in terms of like like I've like I could have bought this at a craft brewery and been like, Yep, this is a great Belgian I'm trying, like Wow. That's like, awesome. I mean that that's where you get where I mean he's been I think he's also been homebrewing for like a couple decades as well. Yeah. But like double background there and like nailing yeah. <laughs> the fermentation process. So Yeah. Cheers to you, bud. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I will get there someday. Yeah, we'll be there someday. Um, you know, and it's one of those things, and I think it's like any hobby, you quickly start realizing, like, you can keep spending, you can just keep oh, absolutely. pumping money into it. If you I mean, we to. were at Best Buy, and they were selling a, basically like a kegerator group, like... All-in-one fermentation kegerator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You just dump it in there, I assume that there's like a filter to get rid of the excess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you let it sit, and then you can pump it out. And it cost ten times, more than ten times as much as our current setup. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. <laughs> it was like that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think, I mean, to me, it's almost like okay, maybe that stuff would be easier. But to me, there's a little bit of a not only a pride, but like doing it this way and perfecting it this way. Hey, there's a pride there to me, you know. Like, oh, absolutely. Uh, nailing, you know, bracketing it in, but also just like you understand more about the process by I, doing it this way. I would say it's like the same thing as like baking bread using like a, your regular oven and like mixing things in, you know, in, a, in a bowl or like buying a bread maker where you yeah. just dump everything in and hit a button. Right. You know, there's definitely a little more pride, a little more artistry, not to knock anyone that doesn't you know do sure. like there are a few things that like we might refine and skip as far as like i think our friend recommended that we get the the larger bottles that don't have the like the beer bottles that you open but like they have like the closed hinge oh, tops. yeah yeah uh and those are a little bit more reusable you don't need as many of them that might be we might look into a few yeah. different options like yeah, that when be, it comes to bottling but yeah i forgot to mention that yeah yeah that'd be a good addition i think but we we have, we're we are all using recycled uh, beer bottles from just beers we drank. We haven't actually bought bottles yet. Yeah. So you know, it's how God intended. <laughs> we're scrappy. Yeah. Right. Scrappy upstart. Yeah. Bad news bears. You know, <laughs> one trick play win the day. That's right. Um, I apologize in advance if this is louder than. Or it sounds a lot different than our last episode. Yeah, we are we are recording in a different location. We're yeah. recording in my apartment. This time it's at Rob's house. Yeah. So a few different ambient noise levels going on here, but also the dog and your wife won't come down. So yeah, exactly. Um. So, uh, the next topic I have, which we teased, I don't know, two or three uh, episodes ago, was what? What are you? Uh, we teased these two or three episodes ago, and that was uh, the outlandish, like liquor 
laws, liquor sales laws in Pennsylvania. Oh, they're insane. They're insane. Uh, I think a good way to start this might be to... Uh, so we, we both grew up in Pittsburgh, and I assume, considering it's called the Pittsburgh Podcast, a lot of you listening are might be from Pittsburgh as well. Yeah. So you're, you're vaguely familiar with the rules, and we'll kind of go a bit in depth more. But both me and Rob went to school, uh, like we both went to college, like out of state. Yeah. And like, what was your first experience seeing a normal oh, man. situation? I have two experiences that come to mind. The first was just being at a Walmart and seeing... Aisles and aisles of liquor, uh, of beer and, and, and liquor. In Indiana, they could have beer and liquor. Now, mm-hmm. in Indiana, they would put a little caution tape around it on Sunday. <laughs> but otherwise, you could buy any kind of alcohol you wanted at a Walmart. Um, so that was just like surprising. Like it, it just kind of blew my mind, you know? And then, uh, like you said, grew up in Pennsylvania, so like my parents don't drink now, but when I was younger, I remember them taking me, you know, to the wine and spirits store, you know, and everything. And uh, actually, I guess they, whatever. <laughs> um, and then the second one that comes to mind is a little bit later, I was, um, I was out in California for an internship and we were driving some, we were driving, we were on a road trip. And we went to this like gas station. It was like it was literally a rest area. Like the only way you can get to this gas station is by an interstate. <laughs> the only way. Maybe there's a service road. I don't know. The only way a customer can get there is from the interstate, and they're selling alcohol there. It's like you're there to purely serve drivers, and you're selling alcohol. And it's just like that seems so bad. My, my story is very similar. <laughs> uh, I encountered this in Arizona, and yeah. The gas station next to my apartment served. No, it wasn't beer. Like, I for some reason, beer didn't surprise me as much. It was like, okay, beer. Because, as you'll we'll explain a bit more in Pennsylvania, beer is sold in more locations than other things. Yes. But the fact that they had wine and liquor yeah. in small quantities in the gas station was like, what? And then there was, a, there was also like a, a full like liquor store yeah. down the road. And it had a drive through lane. Yep. And to me, that just blew my mind that, like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) And that reminds me, I haven't haven't seen this in person yet, but I've encountered enough people telling me about it that I'm sure it exists. Um, But in Louisiana, they have drive-through daiquiri stores. And let the good times roll. (laughs) And it's literally, they give it to you in, like, the same freaking foam cup you'd get from like a McDonald's sweet tea, same type of lid, straw and everything with a piece of tape over the straw. Oh man. And so therefore it is a closed container. There, there you go. I know I I've seen like that they have like those at like a laundromat down there. Yeah. <laughs> but no drive through. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. So I mean like, right. so now, now that we've seen how the rest of the world lives, uh, Rob, let's talk about the PA. Yeah, so alcohol law. so I kind of dug into this now. Any American who's listening, which I assume is most of our listeners, but yeah. um, I assume you're familiar with prohibition. Um, and prohibition is basically you know when they ma- they made alcohol sales yeah. completely illegal. Yeah, and it was uh, terrible. It was a terrible idea. It yeah. just it created all kinds of organized crime. Yada yada yada. Uh, 
destroyed lots of your culture. Yes. 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 Um, it was an overall bad thing. For, I, I don't think anyone could argue with that. Um, but I guess, I guess it's rooted in the, uh, what do they call that? The temperance the movement. Temperance movement. Um, and the temperance movement persisted after prohibition. Was yeah. And that's kind of where, so once prohibition was repealed, um, you know, the temperance movement was still there and there's still the same attitude, the same attitudes that led to the prohibition led to people being afraid of like releasing the control over alcohol. That makes sense to me. I mean, not the actual logic behind it, but that, that people were still right. worrisome. So instead of going straight from like no alcohol whatsoever to like anyone can just make like a roadside stall that sells alcohol, they went from they, most states, even at that time, most states were similar in that they had a state monitored like liquor control board. So you're saying it. It comes after Prohibition, which was over in, like, 41. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, so that, the 21st Amendment, uh, when that was passed. So that's weird. I always attributed Pennsylvania laws to being older than that. Because, you know, we used to be like, Quaker State Act. So, no, you're telling me this is, like... No, I mean, uh, you know, I, I didn't go as far, but I didn't go past the Prohibition. Era. Right. Um, I, their laws may have been even crazier beforehand. Right. I don't know for sure. Um, but I know most states were on even playing ground directly following the prohibition. Interesting. Um, and, and, and subsequently, like since prohibition ended, states have kind of at varying degrees at varying rates have gotten released control of the liquor. I would say Pennsylvania is finally, finally starting to come out of that idea. Right. Very slowly. Um, but please continue. So you had, you had, uh, well, the, the, so generally referred to as alcohol beverage control states. Yeah. Um, and to this day, I think there's still like 14 alcohol beverage control states. And even within those 14, it wildly varies. Pennsylvania still is the most strict. Really? Um, number one. Number one. Other than, and now that's, it's not entirely accurate because there are states that are more strict about like when alcohol can be sold. But as far as like controlling, whoever has the most state control is definitely Pennsylvania. Um, but you'll see if, if anyone, you know, if alcohol beverage control sounds familiar to people who've lived in the South, that's because they have ABC stores and that's <laughs> where they get their hard liquor. Hey. Um, North, the Carolinas. Yeah. I remember the ABC stores. Um, in Pennsylvania, I guess despite not wanting to let release control, they at least realize like, that's a terrible name for a place for a place of business. Yeah. <laughs> so they changed the name to Fine Wine and Good Spirits. Yeah. Um, and pets, even ABC stores, um, that's only liquor. Like wine can be sold in most of those states. Yeah. Pennsylvania stores, lumps wine in with liquor. Right. Mostly. Mostly. Yeah. Mostly. Mostly. Um, and so, <laughs> so basically pro, post-prohibition, you had kind of this, a few tiers. You had, the fine wine and good spirits stores. I don't know if they were called that back then, but that's wine and liquor. Right. Then you had beverage distributors, which are basically the beer stores. And they all have to have so fine wine and good liquor stores or good spirits stores. Those are all state-run stores. Right. Like someone can retire from those. A cashier can retire from the stores with a state pension. <laughs> like, um, beverage distributors were 
uh, and still are their own company, but they have to get a license from the state. Right. And they have to sell at least 128 ounces with it of any alcohol list because right. they're a distributor. And then down to a bar and deli. Now, Pennsylvania at least recognized that they couldn't just say bars can't sell, you know, restaurants can't sell a liquor. You know, they, they gave... Well, that, that's what I always thought was, like, one of the interesting facets because, like, it's a bit more relaxed now, and we might get into that yeah. in a bit later. But the way, for the longest time it used to work, is if you wanted a six-pack of beer, you went to a bar. Yes. And there were refrigerators with six-packs that you could buy yes. from a bar yep. to drink at a bar. Uh, if you wanted wine and spirits, you went to the state store to buy bottles of wine and or your liquor. And then there were beer distributor stores where you would get your 30 racks, you would get your kegs. Yes, exactly. like that. And that was the state of affairs until fairly recently. Fairly recently, yes. Um, I don't know I don't know what the restriction was back then for the bar in Delhi. I don't know if it was one six-pack or two. Uh, I think um, it was two. Yeah. Uh, though part of me thinks it's probably similar... Because I don't know how much of the law they actually changed uh, to where it stands out. So it's probably the same restrictions that they currently have where it's like, I believe it's like, yeah, it's like 18 or 24 beers and like four bottles of wine. Yeah. Exclusively. So, so the current law, I don't like, and I'm not clear on this either, is if they changed. I know that they added wine to that law. Like back in the day. Wine could only be gotten right. Either you could be served it right. at a restaurant, or you, you buy get it at a state yeah, store. Get it at a state store. Mm. Um, but I know there's a there's a maximum. Unlike so, the beverage distributors they have a minimum amount they can sell. Yeah. The bars and you know delis or whatever they, they have, have a these, maximum. They have it maximum. might have only been like a twelve pack or something yeah. like that because they definitely didn't. Yeah, I they, think it they was. only really stocked like six packs. Yeah, and like yeah, it was probably like. A, yeah, it was probably a 12 equivalent. And, and those were even controlled to the point where, like, a county only had so many licenses. For oh, that, yeah. And it was all based on population of the county. So, um, you know, it was hard to get it. Usually the only way to get that license was for another business to go out or for mm-hmm. you to pay for it mm-hmm. from another business, yep. buy it from them. Secondary markets. Yeah. <laughs> and that is kind of – that's where we started seeing the – now, this was very kind of a cursory research, you know. Yeah, of course. I still consider this the definitive podcast on the on the subject. I haven't heard one better yet. But. Yes, that's a challenge to all you other Pittsburgh-based <laughs> podcasts. There's a bit of a, of a gap in my research from post-prohibition to about the early 2000s. And I don't, I'm sure stuff was happening in that time, um, but apparently nothing actually stuck. Um, yeah. Early two thousands, there was a there was a grocery store in the Poconos. I don't I don't know the name because this was just referenced in like a another news article that that basically bought the liquor license from a cafe across the street and built their own cafe right next to their grocery store. So is this the, with like a door in between them? So this is the the market district model where this, we're seeing now. So, yes, this so was John the Eagle first. John Eagle did not did not quite innovate. This was the first instance of that was in the Poconos, and um, and and what they called so what they called this license for the like one and two six packs mm-hmm. was the eating place malt license. 
So, um, so they were able to get that and they were able to, you know, it was co-located, but they, there was still like a door in between. Right. Um, Wawa briefly did this as well on the east side of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and Philly fans with the Wawa. Yeah. And, uh, but they ended up selling it. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't, maybe they could just get more on the secondhand market or something. I don't know. They ended up, you know, it was very brief. So finally Sheets, which Sheets is, you know, Wawa's only on the east side of the state. Yeah. Sheets is more, it's all over the state. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all over the country. It's all over the, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Sheets started to, uh, basically Sheets copied those both of those models. Right. Uh, they bought, in 2004, they bought a neighboring license license, and um, they worked with the state liquor control board to, like, make sure that what they were doing was legal. And basically what happened was, liquor, my understanding is they tried to go for what, like, a get-go does today. Right. Which is... Um, almost no delineation between the liquor sales and the yeah. convenience store. Um, so well, she's, no, there. I would say the get goes. Oh wait, you mean like the gas station? The gas station get goes. Yeah, right. Um, so sheets sheets is a gas station and convenience store, and so the liquor control board came in and was like, you know, what you're doing. It's not the barrier is not enough. There's not enough of delineation. So they had to actually build up like. You know, build a new wall in between their cafe section, mm-hmm. and so they had to have separate fridges over in the cafe that had the liquor in it. Mm-hmm. Separate register, you know, basically not. I don't think. I think this is the point where you no longer had to have a door in between. Right. There were walls, high walls with you know a section you could walk through and signage all over. <laughs> um, and. Between there and like 2011, there wasn't a whole lot of innovation in this space. Right. Um, that was only at like one sheet store, like out in the boonies. And I think that's kind of, I think the liquor control board was kind of like, oh, whatever. It's a small county. Right. It's not a big deal. 2011, we're going to shift a little bit from convenience store and, and beer to, to wine vending. And you'll probably remember this. Uh, the wine vending machines. Do you remember those? No, they had I, them in uh, in the Giant Eagle um, near where we grew up, and uh, I missed this one. Yeah, it was a trial with, um, and this was like sponsored by the Liquor Control Board of PA, mm-hmm. where it was a vending machine where you had to like scan your driver's license. <laughs> it would take a picture of you and compare the photos. I think you might have even had the sign. I don't remember. That's <laughs> don't really know. funny. And there's these. There's basically like a wall, you know, like. Imagine like a vending machine, a regular soda vending machine. It was about six of those in a row, size wise. I mean, I would store. love this, like you know, out on the street, like on the corner, right? <laughs> um, Give you a free, like you know, not plastic but reusable yeah. sippy straw to put into the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, and it was so that was a, a joint project with liquor control board and all the grocery stores in the area. So Giant Eagle and. Probably whatever that grocery store was in the Pocahontas was doing it too. And mm. A couple other chains. I always thought it was a, a Giant Eagle thing because that's right. the only place I ever saw it. I mean, before this conversation, I mean, we're going to get to the Giant Eagle of it. We all, are going to. But I had assumed that they were the ones driving. So apparently yeah. there were a few other people there were playing with other, the model. A few other innovators. Before Giant Eagle yes. ran with it. Um, and mm-hmm. in the end, the it was like a one year trial for this vending machine. Right. 
and there's some big dispute between the liquid control board and the company that built the machines. Right. It, it just fizzled out and removed them all. Interesting. Um, and which is funny, I I had no idea that's what happened. In my mind, I saw them come to a giant eagle and thought giant eagle was like kind of pushing the border, right? There, you know, kind of pushing the envelope, yeah. and that that liquid control board had just cracked down. <laughs> that's what I thought it happened. Right. Um, so I guess I'm gonna. I guess I'm giving the liquor control board a little bit more. Uh, I, I'm surprised that there are. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a few. There's a lot of forces in like uh, PA state politics to yeah. change this stuff. Now there are just as many people arguing that it shouldn't be changed than that. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I forgot to mention, um, but that 2004 sheets. Mm-hmm. So that was really like the third instance of someone trying to do this, you know, cafe mixed with a convenience store, mixed with a grocery store. They were like huge, you know, like there's like a quote from the local pastor, you know, like speaking out against it. I I don't think he let his people dance either. I was going to say that sounds like super (laughs) anarchical and like, like what generation is this? Yeah. 2004. (laughs) Wow. So, um, yeah, so it's been, People are pushing back the whole way. Like, it's a common adage I've heard in the last, like, five years is, like, is that marijuana is going to be legal as in PA before you can buy, you know, a six-pack at the... At the Actually, know. if you're counting non-recreational use, that's true. It is true, There's yeah. a dispensary yeah. in Squirrel Hill yeah. for, for medical marijuana, and I still can't buy a six-pack at a gas station. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, it, I mean, it's crazy. So, speaking of six packs at a gas station, though, mm-hmm. this is where I give John Eagle a lot of credit. Um, Sheets obviously had had this model in place in that a few locations. Yeah. Um, but in 2014, John Eagle opened their first. Um, they basically started selling beer at a, at a new, brand new location of their get go gas station mini. So market. it started in the get goes. It started in the get-go's. Um, well, no, because no, no. no, because they started right. in, the, in the market district, You're right. and basically they took the model yes. that Wawa had started with, or no, the Pocono store. Yes, uh, it was delineated. It had separate cash registers. It does serve food because Johnny always did yes. ready You're food. Right. You're right, uh, but you could buy you could buy beer and wine and drink there. But they also sold six packs and bottles of wine, and that and yeah. I, I did kind of skip that. So and, that, but my the thing is, is um, that model stuck. Unlike yes. this Poconos one and these yes. few others you talked about, because that is the way forward. Yeah, because basically now, like almost every grocery store chain, including like Whole Foods yes. and like Trader Joe's, and like everyone has emulated this all throughout Pittsburgh. Oh sure, um, it'll be really interesting to see if Aldi ever does it. <laughs> um, Trader Joe's and Aldi, speaking of our experience in other states. Yeah. You know. Oh, I can't, I can't imagine. I remember when Trader Joe's opened here, and this was before they had made these changes. I was like, I don't know why you would go here if you aren't buying two-buck check. Like, yeah. Like, like <laughs> yeah. why else do you go to Whole Foods? <laughs> right. Or not Whole Foods, but Trader Joe's. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went, to, <laughs> I went to an Aldi uh, in another state. I was like, well, holy crap. Aldi makes their own beer. You know, Aldi has, it's basically a whole store of generics. And... I couldn't believe it. Uh, I know that's pretty good. Um, so anyway, yeah. So Giant Eagle, if nothing else, they had the the weight 
to do what that small store in the Poconos did on a massive scale. Right. Um, and that's that started with those market district cafes, etc. And they even they started to push the boundary there with like what it looked like to delineate the cafe from the store. Because it's not full walls. There's not full walls. There's no no doors you have to walk through. Um, There's decent signage, but it's not like in your face. But they do, you know, make sure they tell you like, hey, you can't go out here with an open container. Oh, yeah. Um, But what, what they still hadn't got to was a gas station where you can buy beer. That's true. And that is when I, that's what I started to refer to in 2014. Um, out in Fayette County, they built a brand new Get-Go, which Get-Go is Giant Eagle's gas brand station. of gas station convenience store. And, you know, there's still a law that says, you know, you can't sell beer at any business where sale of liquid fuel or oil is conducted. Huh. Um, at this point in 2014. Yeah, at this point in 2014. Um, so, they built this brand new location, you know, brand new build, and I think this is this is important to how they're able to get away with it. Mm-hmm. Now, this at this point, I'm veering into the side of speculation. Go ahead. But if I you mean, look if anyone at, knows the Pittsburgh podcast, this is about rigor. <laughs> if you look at the first three get goes that were selling alcohol. They, they are almost identical in layout to each other. Okay. Now, that's not entirely uncommon for gas stations to look like each other. But this layout is pretty unique from other gas stations and takes a pretty big footprint compared to most gas stations. Okay. So my theory, and based off of what I know of the laws up to this point, this makes sense. They, Johnny Eagles saw that there was room for a loophole. And they put in the middle of their you know pumps, all their pumps, they had a little kiosk mm-hmm. with their register to buy fuel and all your little oil stuff and all that, right? Then across the parking lot, there's the convenience store. And I didn't I haven't gone out and measured, but I'd say, I don't know, around fifty to seventy five feet away from the pumps. And it's identical in all these locations. In this convenience store, you have four registers. The you can only buy beer at the register that is furthest from <laughs> the pumps. So what you're suggesting is that the register that you buy beer from is within the minimum distance from the actual sale of petroleum, which happens outside, to allow them to sell alcohol. Yes. That is an insane amount of loopholes to jump through. But loopholes on fire, which is not safe. In <laughs> yeah. And and yet, you know, what it has allowed them to do is they have a normal convenience store style fridge section that has sodas next to beer. Now they still have to have a seating area. They still have to sell hot food, et cetera, et cetera. It's still a cafe. Um, it's a cafe. Yeah. And obviously they still have to have the proper licenses, but it's my, my speculation. My theory is that it likely, there are likely two businesses at each of these get goes. There is the, Get-Go Gas Station and the Get-Go Cafe. And they probably have separate books. One has the license, one doesn't. That makes a lot of sense to me, honestly. And and because the next... I mean, not that they should have to do that, but that's how they go. Sure, but the, the next two that were open, and it, and it 
the reason I know so much about this is they're right on my commute, my morning commute. I passed both of these. <laughs> was in Carnegie and then in, well, in Robinson first and then Carnegie. And what do you know? Exact same layout, both of them. The only register you can buy booze at is furthest from the pumps. <laughs> so at this point, I, I guess it was 2016 by the point they built both those two, Robinson and Carnegie. And at this point, like, the liquor control board at some point was like, okay, well, you know, they're doing everything by <laughs> they're doing everything by the law, and yet they're getting away with it. And instead of, I guess, the alternative would be, you know, changing the law and make it more harsh. You know, obviously nobody wants that. No, I don't know about legislators, but at least their constituents don't want that. Well, like I said, there's been a lot of talk in Harrisburg about trying to reform these laws, particularly specifically they've given up um, the state-run stores. And now there are people that argue different ways, but I think the idea is like more sales equals more revenue yeah. than any other resources of like small government that doesn't make sense. Sure. You know, things like that as well. Um, but it, it's still lively. Like there's people that still arguably, yeah, they, they are politicians. Yeah. They argue that, no, we, we shouldn't give up State stores in Pennsylvania for for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe their uh, cousin, I don't know. If maybe their cousin works there or something. I don't. Yeah, know. I don't know. I don't know if it's you know a modern temperance thing. I don't know if it's you know a revenue based model. But yeah, it's uh, it's 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 baffling to me that it still exists. Yeah. In the end, all this stuff came to a head shortly after those three now three get goes were selling beer right. indistinguishably. To the you know to the normal consumer indistinguishably from the gas station and um, right after so that happened in 2016 that those two opened and in 2017 is when they finally passed legislation that would allow beer sales at a convenience at a gas station hey. so now you have smaller stores that don't have to go through all this effort yeah um, that are able to sell them obviously they still need to. Get the proper registration right. and still have the proper signs, and I'm yeah. pretty sure they still have to sell hot food. Um, but in addition to that, like in the same legislation, they updated how much you could buy at those stores. Um, they updated that you can now buy wine at um, at those stores, and like to go from any place that has a liquor license, you can buy a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and what year did you say this was? This was 2017. 2017. Yeah. Huh. You could always, you could always get. I mean, like we said, you could always get beer six packs right. from restaurants. I'm trying. I guess it was. I don't think you could get one to go ever. Yeah, because there was. I'm thinking about. I mean, I'm not more used to the market districts than the than the other ones. Because there was a point it was only beer. Yeah, I could have sworn it was like two years ago, not one year ago, that they added a wine. It might have been sixteen. It might have been sixteen. Um, I feel like it was. 16. It was. It was rel- even either way. It's quicker than I would have ever expected. I would have expected them to be operating on that loophole for like an entire term like said, until they, the next. Like I said, there's a lot of forces going on there trying to modernize uh, PA liquor laws. But they also they did update uh, rules about the wine and spirits stores mm. uh, at the same time. It's not a lot, but the base, the biggest thing they changed is um, more more hours, and it can you can use coupons there. For the longest time, it was price fixed across the state. No one there, and that was it. And now you can use like manufacturers. I don't know. Products. I was about to say they have coupons, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I have used coupons." Yeah. Before, I guess. 
is. Yeah. Or they have sales. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. Jim Beam will come out with a thirty percent. I mean, off or something. Well, no, it's more like it's two dollars. Yeah, but, but, it's, but it's like with those, it's always like it's on the the, the bottle, so it's like right. you get it like as you get it. Like it's not like yeah, it's not coming in your penny saver. But until very recently, you could those didn't they, count. Those didn't count. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. And that's about it. I mean, like. That's where we're at today. That took actually that was a little bit longer conversation than I expected, but uh, yeah. I mean, we're still we're still slumping down to the grocery store to get a six pack. We are for us uh, the state store. Going out of the way to do that if you want some yeah you want you some whiskey s- in the house, but yeah, you still can't buy hard liquor anywhere but the state store. Um, wine and beer you can now get other places. There still are beer distributors, and there's a did I write this down? There's like a lobby for the beer distributors. I would say I, they're probably one of the few market forces being like, no, let's not change it because, you know, if you, if you want a keg or even if you want like a 30 rack, yeah, you got to go to a beer distributor, yeah. which is most of the time out of your way. Oh, yeah. Uh, then, then again, there are drive through beer distributors in PA. I've seen it's, one. You're still driving far. <laughs> you just don't get out of your car. Um <laughs> I think, yeah, one of the big things they fought back about this newest legislation is the amount, the amount you can buy from right. these smaller stores. Because I think now the max is, works out to like 198 ounces or something like that. So there's an overlap now where someone who drinks a certain amount used to have to go to a beer distributor. Right. And now they can get away with not. You know. So obviously they fought back about that, but they were not successful. So, um yeah, PA is still the strictest, like we said. Liquor is uh, is a no go, and yet uh, you can buy it on Sundays here. You know? Yeah, I was gonna say that's. I don't even think that's ever really been a thing here. It really hasn't. You know, yeah. I, when I first started hearing about blue laws, that's the one you normally think of is like, oh, you can't buy alcohol. Yeah, that's like, usually what people refer to as blue yeah. laws. And then and here, they, yeah, they'll open up at noon, and the hours are shorter, but you can still yeah. get it on Sunday. Yeah, uh, you just. Gotta go to a state store to do it. <laughs> it's crazy. It's nuts. Um, oh, one myth I, f- I found out, which I had never heard this myth before, um, but apparently it's floating around out there, is that it's someone less than 21 cannot even go into a state store, the state liquor stores. Hmm. False. Now, they do have to be with someone who is of age. If they right. Can. That makes sense. And I'd imagine that that applies uh, to, like, yeah, a group of like one twenty-one year old and a bunch of twenty-year-olds going oh, to buy yeah. beer. They're not going to sell that person beer. Yeah, but like that's probably you know that's probably why they argue that there should be a state store because those people probably have special training to recognize those scenarios. <laughs> yeah, I bet that those employees seem to be on the top. Of the game. Actually, I love all of you guys. You provide me with what I need. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right. Yeah. So. Good, good wrap up on the topic of uh, Pennsylvania blue laws and yeah. you know, alcohol sales and whatnot. Yeah, uh, do we do we have time for our last? Uh, we got like we're at forty three minutes already. How fast? How fast? Well, or slow do you want to do be this, this anyways, man? Like I'm down. Like, All right, it's time. Uh, we're we're gonna do a bit of a do a little bit of nerd talk here. A little bit of nerd talk to finish. Uh, it up. Nerd talk, film talk. Uh, top five trailers. Released in the, in the past month, and movies were excited about movies that we're interested in. Yeah, 
interested in talking about. Definitely. Um, so where, where are we going to start? We're going to start with Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Now, right. teased at the end of Infinity War. Yes. Um, that only one out of three of you were like, oh, and everyone else was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Cold Star. Hmm. Why, why, is, uh, why does Nick Fury still have a beeper? Why didn't he this ever use this before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aliens Invaded New York. Yeah, go on and on. But the trailer dropped. Brie Larson yep. uh, playing Captain Marvel. A.K.A. Uh, Carol Danvers. A.K.A. former... Miss Marvel? Yeah. Well, yeah. In the in the comics, she was Miss Marvel. So, like, they're... I guess that's why I prefaced this with Nerd Talk. <laughs> uh, not a, a huge character. Became pretty popular, uh, like, maybe five, seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, but there, there was an original version of Captain Marvel, who, fun fact, Marvel only created and due to copyright laws because yes. a different smaller comic book company wanted to make a hero called Marvel. Yes. And they're like, no, but we're Marvel Comics. And the courts were like, but you don't have a character copyrighted called Marvel. So they made up an alien named Marvel called Captain Marvel and gave him the generic superpowers yeah. that you see everywhere. Pretty much. And that was that. Uh, and Miss Marvel, I think, was his assistant at a time. Um, but she kind of came into her own right and was named to the Avengers in the, like, the new Avengers era of, like, mid-2000s, which is probably where where she was important, and she was very important when, like, Tony Stark was around them, et cetera, et cetera. So she, she kind of hit that mainstream for, for active, like, comic readers. Yeah. Uh, for a while. So. And as far as they're pitching her, she's the first Marvel... Female superhero or superheroine or however you Sup- want to say it. Super powered heroine, I yes. guess. Because uh, we got Black Widow already. Oh, I was going to say the first one that has her own movie. Uh, I didn't finish. Okay. <laughs> I was caught up on semantics. But the first one to have her own movie. Um, arguably, I mean, DC did beat you that with Marvel with a yeah, with Wonder Woman. Yeah, took freaking 10 years, Marvel. Yeah. Oh man! Seems okay, I'm, I'm digressing here. I love the Saturday, the old Saturday Night Live sketch from when Scarlett Johansson hosted that made fun of like what a Black Widow movie would make like, and it was just a rom com. <laughs> yeah, with exactly. Black Widow in it, and she and it was Scarlett Johansson playing the exact stereotypical like rom com yep. role. Yep. And oh, yeah. Uh, I, for the most part, I'm excited. The trailer did not excite me. I was already excited for this movie, and the trailer didn't do anything to affect my hype levels whatsoever. Like, I there there are a couple things I liked about it. I might have forgotten that the movie is supposed to take place in the past, but I loved the age Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, he looked like right out of a Quentin Tarantino movie, and that got me kind of hyped. Two, Cat Marvel looks like just a stone cold badass. Yes, throughout the whole thing. Oh yeah, and uh, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, I think she looks awesome. And three. I really liked recently the like cosmic Marvel movies, like yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I kind of like those better than the Earth based one, and this looks like it's going to hit somewhere in between there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm stoked. I think yeah. I think it looks good. Uh, and Brie Larson, I've liked her as an actress. She's she's good. In other in other movies, uh, I was a big fan of Scott Pilgrim when it came out. She, yeah, she's she a Scott Pilgrim. I like. I don't know if you've seen. Room, not the room. Room. I haven't seen Room yet. Very good in Room. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I, I like her as an actress. I think she looked great in the role um, from what we saw so far. It's not, you know, it, it's a typical modern Marvel trailer. Yeah, they it, don't show too they much. They don't show too much. Which is and nice. I don't really know that much about the director. So, I mean, I don't know. My favorite Marvel movies, all of all my favorite Marvel movies kind of have like standout directors. And yeah. to varying degree, Marvel let them do their own thing. Yeah. I don't know if Miss Marvel will really fall in or Captain Marvel will fall into that. Yeah, this uh, is kind of. It still the, looks like. It still looks really good. There's there's like a modern blockbuster, like, this is kind of a meta trope of like hiring for blockbusters these days. It's like you take some guy or gal who's done a few indie movies and then give them a blockbuster movie. Like, it keeps happening. Pon Trevorrow for like Dress World comes to mind. Um, I mean, he, heck, even uh, what's his name with uh, Ragnarok? I mean, those yeah, weren't Taika huge. Taika Waititi. No, he, he'd never done a big budget movie yeah. before. I mean, that's um, sort of how, I mean, you're right, it is how it works, but I think there's varying degrees of letting them do their own thing. Oh, yeah, for well. sure. So this is this is actually a directing duo, um, a guy and a gal. Oh. And uh, can I say gal in 2018? Is that okay? I'll allow it in this case, <laughs> but it could, um, depending on your situation, it could be very problematic. <laughs> um, I don't mean to laugh that off, because you're right. It probably can be. Um, I didn't mean it that way. So this, uh, I don't know much about them either. I mean, I looked up like what movie they did before, and I was like, oh, I remember hearing that what name before. I can't even remember it oh. off the top of my head. It's not good. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, it's... To, I mean, on the surface level, the easiest thing to say about that is like, well, there's an, a woman involved, you know, in the directing chair of a woman-centric movie, like, you know, woman character-led movie. So that's yeah. a good thing. I mean, DC nailed it. I enjoyed Wonder Woman a lot. Um, I mean, part of that was kind of its historical basis, and Gal Gadot was great at yeah. it. And uh, it's bad that I don't remember the director's name, Patty or something. Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins, yeah. But she did a great job. And, like, overall, the movie was, except for the villain, the movie was great. Yeah. Uh, probably, like, one of the only DC movies that I've liked somewhat I, recently. I, what, what I liked about this trailer is you do get a, a little bit of a hint at what, a couple of story points. Um, there's some amount of, like, amnesia that she's go, she's right. dealing with. Um, and there's a really, really cool scene in the trailer where it's, like, Cutting its interspersed scenes of like modern, you know, current day in the movie, which is the 90s, yeah, and like flashbacks. And it's like, you know, Carol keep get, getting knocked down, oh, yeah, and like getting her, back like, up, military training, you know, in her military like training like when she's a kid, and, you know, yeah. like, and it's like it seems to be some type of uh, some sort of like Green Lantern, like you were chosen because you have the ability. I mean, it honestly. <laughs> And honestly, it looks like it. Honestly, looks. I mean, there's some parallels to Green Lantern for sure. Yeah, hopefully, it's um, bad. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> the parallels don't go too far. Marvels have been pretty good at least. Even even the Marvel movies that came out recently that I haven't liked, like I, I didn't really enjoy the new Ant Man. I didn't really enjoy Doctor Strange. Yeah, those still have some redeeming qualities and people that like them. So yeah, I mean, we haven't gotten pulled the Justice League yet. So. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, this, it's not, I like that it's, it's clearly explicitly not an origin story, but with this amnesia element, they'll, they'll be able to do some of that. I mean, it's, they've said it's not an origin story. The trailer looks like it could easily still be considered an origin story. Yeah. 
Because even though it's not her getting our powers, it is it's her, her learning who she was and becoming Captain Marvel. While we not, learn who not she was, soldier <laughs> in the you know whatever galactic whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I think pre. Yeah, no, yes, pre, pre. Yeah, fighting for the Kree against the Skrulls. Yes, and everyone that doesn't know. Oh yeah, there is a, a hilarious of lady, <laughs> yes. which is hilarious. But the Skrulls, who are the a bad alien race in the Marvels, you uh, see them in the trailer. They, they shapeshift. Yeah, like that's their shtick is that they shape is that they shapeshift. Yeah, there's a, so clearly that old woman. I mean, it'd be hilarious if she, like she would just thought she was shapeshifting and that's, yeah. punched an old woman it and could probably be to that. death, considering how strong she is. <laughs> but that's probably an alien yeah. pretending to be a human. Exactly. Um, it was really, the timing of that was just great, because they're like, watch her become a hero. And it <laughs> 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 Alright, so needless to say, that's a that's a thumbs up from us. Yeah. And, uh, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. The trailer, I, I think it was a middling trailer, but it wasn't like, it didn't spoil anything. I think, I think we're looking anything. at a binary code here, like an up or a down. Like, right. interested in the movie? Interested or in the movie. less interested in the movie? I am interested in the movie. Okay, let's move on to the next uh, one. Yeah, good point. Transformers. Transformers. Well, that's not the name of the movie. The well, Bumblebee movie. The Bumblebee oh, movie. The Bumblebee movie. Um, this is the one with Jerry Seinfeld, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's another bee having sex with an old lady. Uh... Um, I, okay, moving on. <laughs> um, so, I haven't seen a Transformers movie since three. Which, I couldn't tell you the subtitle of it. I saw the one with... Wahlberg, the I did first not see one that with one. Wahlberg, the one where it was better than three. I guess really, that, I thought so. There's been two Wahlberg and, and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I didn't see the one where they like the Transformers are like knights. Yeah, and like Anthony Hopkins. I didn't see that one either. But my understanding of that one is that for one, it's like a two and a half hour long Transformers movie. <laughs> <laughs> which seems a little too long. The time's too long. <laughs> um, but also, like, it sounds like they just took a spec script for, like, a cool King Arthur modern-day movie and just, like, put Transformers in it. Which is, which is a thing that happens. <laughs> um, anyway, so this new one is Bumblebee. It's technically the same continuity as all the other ones. But it's in the past. But it takes place in the past. And so Bumblebee is actually a Beetle instead of a Camaro. Two. I mean, that doesn't do anything for me, even though I know that's what the original Transformers was. But well, for both of us, yes. this is not an area that we're, like, old school fans of. Yes. So we we missed that boat just by a little bit. I did watch Beast Wars. I watched Beast Wars But then Beast that Wars ruined well. itself when they cha- when it became Beast Machines. But, and then it was bad. So something I learned recently, though, is a lot changed between Transformers and Beast Wars as far as what you're allowed to put on TV for kids. That makes sense. And so Transformers was was literally made to sell toys. Yeah. Beast Wars, while it was probably made to sell toys, it, it had to them. hide it more. Um, and so... <laughs> it sold me toys. <laughs> <laughs> so there is there is a distinction there. So I don't know if that contributes to some of the nostalgia. Like, Beast Wars, I loved it when I was a kid, and then I moved on. Like, I haven't thought about it since. Yeah, it wasn't as, um, as big. I, I actually did try to rewatch it a few years back ago, because I found it, like, on YouTube. Yeah. That's really bad. <laughs> Mostly because it's like super early. Uh, one of the things about it that was different was it was computer generated graphics. Right. It wasn't hand drawn in any way. Uh, and for the 90s, it was, it's bad. Yeah. It's really, it, it's almost, I would say it's unwatchable these days. That's how bad the graphics wow. are. Like it's, it's rough. 
so we don't have any like we don't have any rose colored glasses for like the no. original the OG Transformers. Yeah. Um, but one thing, so while the the fact that he's a beetle doesn't matter as much to me, the the biggest difference, and I, and I, I mentioned this to you this, er, this to you earlier, but like between cause this isn't this isn't Michael Bay anymore. I think he might be producing. He's not directing this one. Um, the difference between like the Michael Bay. Well, let's talk about the original from. Transformers trilogy. Let's say the original, yeah, the yeah. original trilogy. Yeah. Um, the one thing that really stuck out to me with this is that the character designs and the animation for the transforming was a lot more like it was easier for my brain to comprehend, like how they were going from. It, it made more sense of them going from a car to a robot to an airplane or whatever. Um. I mean, I, I do know what you, what you mean. It looks like less gobbledygook. And from the fights in the trailer as opposed to the to the, the original group, or even like the last one, it looks less like random things happening on TV. And more like, I can distinguish. Like, yeah. they're not, like, I think part of it helps that Bumblebee is now like all yellow. Yeah. And not mostly gray with bits of yellow. Right. And you can kind of like tell the difference between him and the background. Trying to remember if they actually showed him fighting another robot or like just him cutting down trees and shooting a gun. I I feel like because the melee fights fighting were, too much. The melee fights were the roughest part of the Transformer movies. Yeah, because you could just see a massive CGI on screen. You're like, I don't know what's what. Well, what's and, here? and if my memory serves me, like you'd have times where in those old movies where, I mean. You know, he'd be in the transformer would be in robot form, or whatever, and his arm would just turn into a cannon or something. Yeah, you know, and it's like the you know the kind of stereotype. Like it's all based off of toys, right? Remember yeah. this, right? And the toys can go from one thing to another thing. Yeah, that's it. And that, like, okay, it's cool if you can, like, you know, if there's steps in between those that those two things, you know. Mm. I, if that makes sense, like okay, you're you got legs, but you still got a cabin that people can sit in or something. Like <laughs> that's one thing versus like my arm can just change into whatever I want. I mean, you know, yeah, I don't know. Are we getting to the how we feel about the new movie? Yeah. Uh, for for me, it, for me, it's still a no. Like I still I, a no. I it looks significantly better than the last bunch of them. But there is no, I mean, for me, even with action movies, I, I like them to be somewhat character driven, a few other things. And there's nothing, there's nothing that I saw in this that makes me go, I want to watch that. Yeah. Um, some of the cool, like, Cybertron, like, scenes in it, like, some of those fight scenes, like, like, it, it looked better, but, like, nothing more than, like, oh, I'm on an airplane and this is what I want to watch. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm that. saying. So I hear that. For me, for me, it's a thumbs down. If the thumb, if the thumbs up and thumbs down are whether it makes me more excited or not. Well, I, I think it's like, well, yeah, I, I guess, I guess it's a degree of how it affects, but also like, I think if you're going to see the movie after the trailer, thumbs up. If the trailer, like, you're not going to see the movie after the trailer thumbs down. Right? Okay. Well, then I guess it's a thumbs down. I'm going to wait for a review before I see this movie. Okay. Do we have to refine it? <laughs> Maybe you're in the. I don't know. I guess it's still thumbs down, but you're still more excited about the movie. Than yeah, than me. yeah. Let's so, say so. There's still gradients. <laughs> <laughs> you mean our binary system isn't working? 
Yeah, it's also you know, the binary system is also kind of the problem with society today. But we'll we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Moving on to uh, the third and what did you hear? Oh, like, superhero corner. Yeah, superhero corner. So Adam called these three movies our superhero corner, which I think is funny. Um, Captain Marvel, Transformers. A, I think there's a thesis statement there. I think it's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but no, the, the, and the finally, Fantastic Beast Two. Yes. So the, the newest and the no longer including Harry Potter, Harry Potter series. Yes. Uh, I believe that the the gnome underneath is Crimes of Grindelwald. Yes. Uh, we both. Red Harry Potter, yep. seen the movies, uh, enjoy it. Uh, I'm relatively stoked for this movie. Uh, I'm I'm way more excited for this movie than I was for the first Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. Um, as far like at the trailer point, um, but that's also partly because of the goodwill and and all the good reviews I've heard of Fantastic Beasts. Now, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I need to see the first one. I mean, it wasn't um, it wasn't epic. I mean, like, Fantastic Beasts, I think that was my biggest issue with it, is that, I mean, arguably, despite marketing, like, it's still small, like, compared, like, coming off of, like, the, so David Yates is still directing these, he did the last, like, three Harry Potter movies, maybe even four. Yeah, I think he did the last four yeah. Harry Potter movies. Um, so his style is very consistent, and I actually really enjoy uh, the, what he's done, like, arguably. Movies, yeah. Um, but compared to those where it was like Voldemort and the end of the world, etc., etc., Fantastic Beast is just like way more subdued, and in some ways, it almost feels like a prologue to this movie because surprise at the end, the, the main villain is really, um, really a real life really, villain, really Grindelwald, <laughs> who's like the big bad version before Voldemort, and you know. Dumbledore's yeah. ex-lover. Oh no, wait, not really in these movies, but according to J.K., um, you know, <laughs> more of that. Uh, but no, it looks good. Uh, I love the like. It has like all the like fun benefits of almost like a Mad Men like back in history type thing. Yeah, but also magic and you know it's Harry Potter with like wizards that aren't like in school and for some reason can't do any magic except yeah. for like one person. Like that always annoyed me as a kid. Yeah, like, for people that study magic they're like really bad at it <laughs> and they basically stay bad at it until like the last book and then all of a sudden Hermione can like oh I can turn my backpack into an infinite storage space and you're like what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's cool but like I swear the last book you forgot how to open doors again like come on yeah. so, well, um, something I like and again I haven't seen the first one so this is all based off seeing I don't know four trailers for the first movie and two for this one um, but it seems like I mean, one of the main characters is a muggle, so that's pretty yeah. cool. He's a nomad. A nomad. That's what they call them. We're Americans. Yeah. We have to adopt them. Oh, right. We're Americans. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, yeah, the, the Harry Potter trilogy, not trilogy, the Harry Potter, whatever, seven movies, eight movies, was... Eight movies, seven books. About... Um, it's going to be a religion. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it was very much like set an end of the world type thing, but it was still confined kind of to the oh, yeah. wizarding world. Yeah, it, it expanded like as the books went on, but yeah, it, it still was. And you had like, there was definitely a theme in the books of like, um, you know, like there's like that, the, you know, the Death Eaters all wanted people to be of like pure magical descent yeah. and, stuff, and stuff like that. But this is kind of taking that whole kind of tension a step further where like one, 
at least as far as I can tell from the trailers, Grindelwald wants to kill all the nomadges, all the muggles. Or at least uh Or at least cares nothing. He wants the, to he wants to take over them. Yeah. That's kind of uh exactly. And like it's it's interesting because at least in the original books, kind of the way I looked at it was whereas like Voldemort might there's not direct parallels, but obviously like a lot of like stuff. Grindelwald was very obviously just magic Hitler. Yeah. Because, like, the the ending battle of it is, like, 1945. Yeah. So, like, it, it basically perfectly parallels, like, World War II and all this stuff. So now, kind of, like, digging into that, it's, like, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. It definitely gives stakes as yeah. soon as that's there. Um, it's something I've wanted to see, like, since yeah. reading about, like, see, since hearing about Grindelwald in the books, you know? Yeah, definitely... I mean, now we're just kind of reviewing other movies. The first <laughs> Fantastic Beast movie, it was pretty mediocre, mediocre by like some standards, but it was still like very enjoyable. Yeah. Particularly if you like Harry Potter stuff, you'll yeah. like it. This one looks like it's basically taking my main criticisms of it and like basically fixing all the things I didn't like about the last one. Sounds like and the, the whole Nagini thing, I think, is interesting depending on how they dig into that. Yes. there, There's definitely some problematic issues and some people don't like that like you know, you're basically totally recasting how you look at a character from like the entire books, because now she, it's not just a snake. It was a person. Right. It has some level of thought. It had has its own character arc before it even gets to Harry Potter. So it's like, wait, what? But uh, <laughs> it, I, I don't know. I think it gives it depth and just the whole concept of that. Like, I love this idea that like within the, this wizarding world, there's this whole like disease slash curse thing that these people have that like they're yeah. eventually going to turn into animals and like they don't really have, like it, it, it's a very interesting like character dynamic and we'll see how it's explored in the movie but yeah it, it's definitely got me excited i mean it, it, it will be interesting to see you know in my mind it's like as long as it doesn't as long as it meshes well with what happens later as long as there's nothing glaring in what happens in the established movies and books i think we'll see how it it goes i mean my guess is like what the character arc is going to be here She's somewhere in the middle, and like she probably befriends the the main characters, and is like kind of like a quasi good person. Yeah. But we'll we'll see a darkness that obviously gets more because we know where she ends up basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. So if she's in it, does that mean Voldemort's going to show up sometime? Soon? I mean, I don't think Tom Riddle is alive at this point. Oh yeah. Yeah, I guess he was kind of young. Yeah, because yeah, no, because. Because like, no, because Dumbledore was old when he picked him up. Yeah. So and he's Jude Law now. So he's <laughs> not too old. No, not a, not nearly as old. Um, so that's interesting. Um, no, and it, another just little point. It wasn't in this trailer, but it was one of the earlier trailers. It opens up with basically the same scene we see in the third Harry Potter movie with the bogger uh, with Lupin, which is actually one of the really good early Harry Potter yes. movies. Yeah. And they recreate that but with Dumbledore yeah. and a kid and that's new. supposed to be new. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was, it was very playful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good. But needless to say, uh, thumbs up for me. I'm, I'm actually, up. when it was announced, I wasn't excited. Now I'm excited. Yeah. For me, it's like, now like, the first movie's moved to the top of my list because of this trailer. Yeah. You should rent it. Um, Check it out. And that concludes the superhero corner of our five. Superhero movies. corner, not complete. <laughs> uh, next is something by one of my favorite production companies, A twenty four. I can't tell you why. 
Swiss Army Man, really. Oh, like Swiss Army Man's good. <laughs> no, they had a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, we're talking about uh, mid-90s. Yes. Which is uh, directed by... Uh, Jonah everyone, Hill. Yeah, one of everyone's favorite funny men. Yes. From uh, mostly unremarkable movies. Um, He's making his directorial debut. I think it looks. I think it looks good. Yeah, uh, it's definitely very different from the last movies we talked about. Yes, completely. <laughs> uh, in, Indie sleeper, uh, skateboarding in L.A. in the nineties. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It looks. It looks interesting, uh, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of like it's the gener. It's the timeline that like we yeah. grew up in, even though yeah. that wasn't like our scene by any means. Uh, it's interesting. It's almost like there's a. Uh, I see it almost also in the first step of this progression like when we were younger everyone looked back at the 70s yeah. and now with like Stranger Things and I think everyone's looking back at the 80s and like this is like the precursor like 10 everyone years back. from now yeah. the 90s are going to be cool sure. and there's going to be like TV shows about like Tamagotchis again <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, they uh, the trailer I mean it didn't. It looks fine to me. I, nothing in it like was like, oh, I need to go see this. But the more I think about, it, like, it definitely did a good job of like giving that feel of the nineties. You know, yeah. everything. And, you know, that's it's more or less. That's less. That's more of a, uh, I guess, a uh, production quality than an acting or a directing quality. Yeah. But, um, but I did like it. I did like that part of yeah. it. Yeah. Like I said, it went from something that I knew absolutely nothing about to I definitely would like to yeah. see this movie. Yeah. When it comes out. It looked good. Um, I, I'm still going to probably give it a thumbs down. I'm more aware of it now, I guess, but I'm not going to go out of my way. Maybe I'm going to give it a thumbs up. If it, if it gets a limited release in Pittsburgh, I'll probably go see it. Yeah. If not, I'll definitely try to catch it on like Amazon or yeah. Netflix or whatnot. And then, speaking, speaking of, Netflix, of Netflix, our last one. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Which is made by the Coen Brothers. Produced by Netflix, yep. getting a simultaneous release in theaters to meet Oscar nods and being launched on Netflix. And it looks fun. It looks great. It looks great on so many levels. So, Coen Brothers. So, it, in the trailer, they you know they name drop um, yeah, No Country for Old Men and True Grit. And True Grit which but are to me, it reminded me of Burn After Reading. And which to is me, hilarious. it reminded me of um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah. And so I, you know, it's a Western, obviously. So I understand yeah. why they did No Country and, and, True, and True Grit, but the tone of it's so much more like it's definitely a Coen Brothers comedy, and yeah, Coen Brothers drama, yeah. Oh, and, and the older of the Franco brothers is in it as well, James yes. Franco. James Franco is in it. Um, arguably one of the leaders. Looked like Liam Neeson. Yeah, but, Liam Neeson's in it. Um, but it looks good. I, it looks great. Like I, I like westerns. I like all kinds of westerns. I'm not like a, I'm not like a old western buff, but. Any modern I, I like westerns, uh, and I like like I mean I'm a big fan of like both like the spaghetti western era yeah. that Quentin Tarantino was like obsessed with, and then also like the old like for like like Stagecoach, yeah, and um, yeah, well, wait for it. There we go. The Searchers, yeah, and <laughs> uh, the Man Who Shot Liberty Balance are like probably like, my top three like original era westerns, okay. and I. If you're a film buff at all, like watch those movies. Yeah. And like for me, one of the things that I see now, because like there's a lot of things that like categorize as a Western, but I think one of the things that carries over the most stylistically, besides just like that it's set and like the old West, is landscape shots. Yeah. Uh, I was recently watching um, No Country for Old Men again, and it just opens on these like wide vistas. 
games, and like you know, that's what you see in the searchers, that's what you see emulated, yeah, in uh, Quentin Tarantino's movies, maybe Hateful Eight. Like, that's where the landscape and the harshness of the land is also the character is a huge part of like what makes a, a western really a western. Um, but yeah, this movie still, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh, I mean. I, so there was that like uh, well, I can't even remember the guy's name. The Family Guy dude made a Western comedy. Oh yeah, Seth. Uh, a million days to die in the West. Yeah, and then that um, flopped. And then they made one on Netflix with uh, Terry Crews and the uh, Adam Sandler crew. Oh, Terry Crews was in that. Yeah, yeah, that flopped too. That flopped too. And and I think. So like I've never seen I didn't see either of those because they didn't really look that no, good, they didn't look you know. But this like this kind of triggered something. I was like, oh, you, it's possible to do a good comedy yeah. western that's not Blazing Saddles, you know? Like, <laughs> um, exactly. And so it, it definitely looks good. I hadn't heard of it before this. Uh, yeah, before I'd today, seen, I'd seen the trailer. I saw like, the trailer once today. When it came out, and I was like, at first I was like, what is this? This name is ridiculous. And then I start watching it. I'm like. This looks good. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's the Coen brothers. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's coming on Netflix. Like, <laughs> yes, all three wins. Yeah, that looks good. Thumbs up for me. Yeah. I mean, obviously, based on distribution, like, it's going to be coming right to my house. You know, it's, yeah, it's right. on Netflix. <laughs> uh, but yeah, of course, I'm going to go see that. Yeah. That's great. I, you know, it's one of those things, like, the Coen brothers are one of those directing duos that, like, I was aware of, but for a while, but like it took until like I was kind of really getting into film, like in college where I realized like all these movies I've seen in the last whatever, seven years, I'm like, I've every one of the ones that they've made, I've liked like, and not put it together. They were the same. people. Yeah, exactly. And I think that their comedies are really underrated. Like everyone remembers like all their like, you know, big like drama. Have you seen, um, but like burn after reading is great. I already mentioned right. Burn after reading Uh, is even funnier now yeah oh my god yeah i i know i haven't rewatched it since the election but yeah. i bet it would be even funnier um you're about to see hail caesar hail caesar i was gonna ask also you. super hail funny. caesar is great yeah hail caesar is super funny uh yeah and not as many people talk about those when they think of the Cron brothers yeah uh but i think they're great they're super fun yeah cool so there you go that's been uh top five trailers from the past month yeah without and around if you're still with us <laughs> through all of that, uh, this has been a this has been a good episode of the Pittsburgh Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so stay in touch. We will be coming up to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, a couple of weeks. We'll probably update you on some of the see if any more of the bottles of beer are any different. Yeah, uh, um, we'll, we'll be bringing you a beer beer review next yeah. week and possibly talking about uh, our next brew. Yeah. So, uh, from right here, Pittsburgh, uh, thank you for listening to Pittsburgh Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Rob. Cheers. Cheers.